Welcome to Advance, a podcast devoted to helping strengthen churches for gospel movement. I'm your host, Brian Moak, Vice President of Church Strengthening with Converge Mid-America. You know, in our last episode, we talked about church health in a small town or rural environment. In this episode, we're going to talk about how to make a big deal about a small church. Here's a newsflash for you. Not every church is going to become a megachurch. As a matter of fact, statistics say that only 6% of churches are over 500 people and 60% of churches are under 100 people. So clearly, most churches are not going to reach the quote-unquote mega status. So how, how do we make a big deal about small churches? Well, to help us talk about this topic, I've asked Chris Vitarelli, pastor of The Road Church, a two-campus ministry in Fenton and Howell, Michigan, to join me. Not only is Chris making a big deal about his small churches, he's encouraging pastors all over the country to do the same through a conference entitled Small Church Big Deal. But I don't want to ruin what he wants to say later, so I'll let Chris share that with you. So welcome to the podcast, Chris. I am so glad that you're here. Oh, I'm excited about it. Thanks for inviting me on. This is going to be good. Yeah, I'm excited, too, to have you here. Uh, hey, we always like to start by having our guests share a little two-minute story of who you are and your church. So wh- why don't you begin with that? Okay, well, uh, I came right out of uh, Cedarville University, went to Western New York to get into ministry. I was there for a little over 11 years, youth pastor, outreach pastor. And, and along the way, I felt God was was calling me into a, a senior pastor role and looked around for a while and... Um, just nothing, nothing popped up, you know, nothing really struck. And uh, what I realized after a while was that God was actually asking me to, to plant a church. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we ended up in Michigan in 2010, where we went to Fenton and began to plant Horizon Church. And very, very shortly into that process, we encountered a church uh, about 20 minutes away, another converged church that their pastor had just left. I started preaching there and eventually they asked me to be their pastor and so here I am one year, actually less than a year into a church plant, and I am now a uh, pastor of a multi-campus church, but there's, it's small, yeah, very small. Yeah. And so we've been doing that for eight years where, uh, you know, 930 in the morning on Sunday, I'm in one campus, 1130 in the other. And all along my, you know, my wife, Jody, and four kids have all been a part of that. But that's been our experience for, for the last eight years is a, a very small two campus ministry. It's called The Road. Hey, when you talk about a, a, a small multi-campus ministry, what, what does that actually entail? You know, what sort of numbers uh, are you looking at uh, in each campus? So together, uh, well, pre-COVID, I don't know where we're at now because things are, are not stuck. Everything's pre-COVID, isn't it? <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, but but really, we were probably, we've been 100 to 110 people over two campuses for, for about eight years, just sort of floating in that, uh, you know, up and down in either side, but uh, but around 100 people. Say, just for a frame of reference, um, Fenton and Howell, uh, they are in vicinity of Flint, Michigan, but just uh, give us sort of the makeup of what those two communities are like as well. So so Fenton, yeah, Fenton's about 12,000 people, and, and Howell's just a little smaller. They're more like 8,000 to 9,000, uh, and, and it's sort of a strange mix of 
of urban and and rural because you know you can leave town and you're in the cornfields and the in the cow pastures. So uh, it's a strange mix. That's really helpful uh, just to sort of get the context of the environment that you're in. Hey, I I know um, we're going to talk about it later, this conference you do called Small Church Big Deal, but uh, I'd like to ask the question right now, what is the big deal about small churches? Why are you passionate uh, to speak to it, and why should we be passionate about how we do ministry as small churches? Yeah, so I guess to answer that, I got to go back a little bit to my story because I obviously I, gave, I probably gave you the minute and a half version. So there's 30 more seconds to that. Um, <laughs> yeah. So my journey was really about you know planting this church and believing that I was going to plant the biggest and fastest growing church in the Midwest. I mean, yeah. every church planter wants that or, or believes that. Yeah. Um, and so we went into it with all that expectation, and after a year or so. We realized, man, this is just not looking the way we had hoped. And I had to do a lot of soul searching and prayer. And And what God did is he reoriented my heart toward, uh, I guess, different metrics, you know, different measurements. You know, I was thinking about the, you know, auditoriums, attendance, assets, those, you know, whatever letters you want to put to it. Yeah. And he said, no, Chris, obedience, faithfulness, fulfill the purpose of the church, you know, reach the loss, just get, you know, leave the other stuff to, to the side. We'll, you know, let that take care of itself. And so I began to learn that, uh, well, some of the statistics you shared about how many small churches there was, you know, there's, there's a small church everywhere. Small is everywhere. Right, I mean, right. everywhere you go, you can go to some rinky dink little town in the middle of nowhere. And there's going to be a tiny little country church probably in that town. And um, it doesn't matter. It's if there's rural, urban, suburban, every sector um, has has small churches. Mm-hmm. And and a lot of those churches are are niche, you know, kind of ministries. They're not big box and right, they're all right. fulfilling. Well, you hope they're fulfilling God's uh, mission for churches. Yeah. And so, you know, as I began to look at that and the statistics and you mentioned some of those, you know, how many churches are, are under 200 and it's, it's like, you know, 80 to 90% of them are, are under 200. And, and you, you have to ask the question, why are we letting half of 1% of all the churches dictate to the other 90 or so percent how church should look and how yeah. it should be done? Yeah. Um, you know, we've got to get to the point, and this is one thing that God did in my heart, we've got to get to the point where the number of the people sitting in the seats has no bearing on the level and impact uh, of ministry a church can have. Amen. It really has no uh, relevance. It's it, There is scale, which I'll talk about a little bit later. There's a matter of scale, of course. But but the big deal is that uh, the church is a big deal, whether you're big, small. I mean, we've got to get back to just seeing the church for what it is. It's God's uh, you know plan A for for mission on earth. And so yeah. um, big, small, it all matters. And so we, that, that's, that's kind of what the process that I went through and realizing, man, there's a lot of guys in small churches out there who need to hear that. Hey, your church is a big deal. It's important. It matters. Not, not how many people are, are there, but what are you doing for the kingdom and, and start measuring by those, those uh, metrics. That's so good. Thanks so much for that. Hey, what are the advantages? I know there are lots, but what are some of the advantages to pastoring in a small church setting? There, there are many. You're absolutely right. And I want to try to get through, um, I don't know, maybe four or five here in the next few minutes. Uh, 
but I, I do want to say first, you know, when I went into ministry, I thought in my in my heart, in my head that I was a big church pastor. And maybe a lot of guys do that. They go into ministry thinking, well, I'm going to pastor the, the church of a thousand or whatever. Yeah. But what's interesting is that as I have served, um, you know, I've re- learned who I am and how God has designed me. And I'm, I'm a small church pastor hmm. it, for, for some of the very reasons that I'm about to explain here, some of the advantages, one of which is so important. And that is knowing others and being known hmm. is so much easier in a small church. It's, you know, the small church, you can't hide in it. You know, I mean, when, when someone walks into the small church, every you know, it's, it's kind of that, it's a little awkward to the visitor walks in and like 50 faces turn and go, Oh, look, there's somebody we've never seen. Yeah. 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 Right. Right. I've, I've told people, I said, we want to be welcoming without, you know, overwhelming people and assaulting them Yeah, and making them feel weird. <laughs> but that being known, you know, people, they might say they want to slip in the back and slip back out, but deep down they want to be known. And they want to know others in a deep heart level way. And you can do that in a small church. Um, I think another advantage is, is the care that we receive. Hmm. Uh, you know, I know that big churches are always trying to get smaller. You know, they're trying to get people in small groups because that's right. where the care happens. Right. Well, if you've got 50 people, you're up, you're a small group. Huh. Yeah. And, and so when someone's not there, you know, for three weeks or four weeks, you notice that's and right. it's easy. I can I can call my entire church in a in a week of ministry. Just pick up the phone and call every single person and go, "Hey, how you doing?" Hmm. I, because there's only you know there's so many of them, and so uh, care it happens the same way. I can pick up the phone and say, "Hey, we've missed you. Are you okay? Hmm. What can we do for you? What can we pray pray about with you?" Um, I think in a small church, the the need is more evident. Like when it comes to volunteering and getting involved. Um, it's obvious, like, hey, there's no one in the nursery this week. <laughs> I yeah, think I yeah. can help there or, or whatever the, the ministry may be. I think there's also a sense in which people understand their value in a small church because they go, I'm the only person doing this. Like, I'm really important here. Yeah. Uh, so they, they have the sense of value. And again, this is I, I hope I said this earlier. And if I didn't, I'll, I'll you know say it now. I have nothing against Omega Church, the Giga Church, the, you know, that's great. I think they're doing good stuff. So that's not what this is about. But I do feel like in an environment like that, where there's 200 children's ministry volunteers, it's easy to maybe not sense your importance in that. Mm, that's right. You know, whereas if there's three teachers for the kids ministry, you go, man, they really need me. So, so that's another advantage. I, I think, um, and this one, I've, re- this one I've experienced firsthand and I just love, uh, the way that this has played out in my ministry, but that is that people who are coming to faith can have their discipleship personalized. Mm. And what I mean is I can't stick all the new believers into a class. You know, I can't name them, you know, 101, 201, 301. I, I, I actually tried that in a church, small church that I was in previously. And after the first year, everyone had gone through all the classes and there wasn't like this big group of people waiting to, to go through them again. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so what we see now is someone comes to faith. I sit down with them and I go, okay, so, you know, tell me your story. And okay, you know what? I think this will be a great place for you to grow. Let me try to pair you with this person or in this environment or this particular study. Uh, you know, that doesn't happen all the time. It's a personalized, it's a very tailored approach to discipleship. And, and in a small church, you could actually be discipled by the senior pastor, which 
you know, that may be a good or bad thing, depending on who your senior pastor is yeah. or, or how you, <laughs> but it, it, yeah, but it's for some people, that's really special. Like, especially if you've been in a church where there's, you know, 10,000 people and you've never even met the senior pastor. Right. Right. So, uh, so that, that plays into the whole idea of accessibility and proximity to one another and to the pastor, you know, you can, you can, uh, you know, get to know people at that heart level, the pastors at, he, you know, you've got his cell phone number. Um, and again, some of that may not matter to people, but in a small environment, we've had people come to the church. They've come from large churches and they say, it's, it's so nice that we actually can interact with, with you or with the elders, or, you know, we don't feel like we have to stand in line or yeah, make an appointment right, right. four weeks out to talk to the pastor. So, so those are all just really kind of homey, just nice features of being in a small church. That's great. Uh, super helpful. Uh, it's interesting. It, it helps us to sort of get our uh, minds wrapped around that. And, and it actually brings up a question that I didn't have uh, uh, when we talked about this originally, but I want to ask you, you know, one of the things that is a uh, a struggle is, you know, the large church, people are attracted to the large church because they've got all sorts of programs and we've got something for everyone and, and that's attractive to people. Uh, and then on the on the opposite side, you've got the small church, and and it's attractive to people because it's an environment where you know, quote unquote, everybody knows your name, and there's lots of intimacy in that. And a lot of times, it's the medium sized church that sort of gets stuck in the middle of it. You know, they're not big enough uh, to offer the sort of programming that the big church does, and and they're not small enough that everybody can know your name and. What I've discovered, especially over COVID here, is um, that it that it's sort of been the great equalizer. So in other words, everybody's been online for so long and uh, you're attracting people online and it doesn't matter if you're big or small. It's sort of uh, as long as you have a, a really good way to uh, attract people online and a, a good presentation, uh, you're, you're going to do uh, you're going to do well. And, and so it's also created an environment where we need to do a, a really good job at caring for our people. Uh, and uh, so has that really become an advantage for the small church during this time? Just uh, curious what you think. Okay. Well, I think, you know, for just, I can speak to my experience and I've, I've talked to some other pastors in, in my area. It sounds like the smaller, the medium-sized churches are being pretty successful, uh, some with with the streaming, but more so with the personal care. So you, you know, and then you yeah, mentioned right, that, right? Uh, because you know, I think the week after we we heard about the shutdown, I just got with the elders and said, "Guys, here's your list of names. Contact them every week. Just check in with them, find out how they're doing." And yeah. we, you know, throughout kind of kept tabs on everybody. We were able to do that. We were able to each have a pretty short list. And I, I've talked to other pastors who have done the same. And so. So that is that is a distinct advantage, whereas I don't know, you know, I don't even want to think about the organization it would take to maintain contact with, you know, 5,000 people or yeah, whatever. Yeah. That's that overwhelms me. You know, that's not my, my thing. Um, I think another advantage that came out of the COVID was um, perhaps small churches. And this depends on your, you know, who you've got in your church. But a lot of them are able to pivot pretty quickly. Yeah, that's you right. You know, because they can you know, they're small, maybe a little more nimble. And uh, we definitely, um, we see that, you know, again, in my area, and as we've done the conference, um, which we'll talk about in a minute, but uh, just that, that 
ability to sort of switch gears. You know, I, I liken uh, the, uh, you know, the small church is the speedboat in some ways, and sometimes the large church is the barge. Yeah. Right. And so, so sometimes it takes a longer time to turn. And I, and, that, and that's just purely anecdotal. I don't have, I don't have evidence. I don't have percentages. I just, that's kind of my observation as I've seen churches, especially small church plants, because they're not bound by a lot of the tradition and, and things like that. So. No, I, I think you're right. I, I think that's a really good point. And, and I'm glad you shared that, you know, um, one of the things, you know, we've talked about all these advantages of pastoring in the small church, but I think one of the tricky pieces of pastoring a small church is continuing to keep your church thinking missionally. You know, uh, not getting in this trap of being small for the sake of being small. I don't think that's what God's calling us to. I think God's calling us to live missionally. And so how do you in the small church keep yourself thinking missionally? Yeah, that's a great question. And I, I think it starts with just deciding you're not going to make excuses. Um, yeah, yeah. We just don't do that. We we recognize realities, but we don't make excuses. So we might mm. say, you know what? We don't have a lot of, of you know, our building is small. We don't have a lot of size and space. We may not have a lot of uh, money. Um, we may not have a ton of volunteers. Those are realities. But I'm right. not going to cling to those. And I don't think any pastor should cling to those as excuses and say, well, God didn't give me, you know, uh, we're, you know, we could, you want me to preach on the parable of the talents? Can we do that right now? Uh, you know, I've, I've said to pastors um, when I've, when I've taught on this, when I've presented this to say, look, determined to not be the one talent pastor. That's good. You know, the one who said, oh, I only got this one thing to deal with. You know, it's not enough. To, it's not even worth you know, investing, I'm just going to bury it. And when I went, you know, we're not going to be that way. That's not what we're called to. So, so we're just going to determine not to be, uh, you know, pastors that make excuses or churches that make excuses because, you know, regardless of what we've been given, we have a responsibility to, to carry out the mission and to, to have a vision for that in our, in our, you know, where we're, wherever we're at, whatever city or town. So I, I think to, to do that, to overcome those uh, excuses, um, you know, we, we do need to think missionally and that starts by doing a hard evaluation. Hmm. And this is, this is a, this is a tough thing for, for pastors to do. Um, because I think what we do, when we say evaluate, we say, okay, what are we measuring by? And I, I think we have to measure pragmatically. And let me explain what I mean by that. You could, you know, pragmatics, some people think, well, you just, you're just asking what works. Well, yeah, I am in, in some ways, but I think sometimes we ask that question, um, is it emotionally pragmatic? Like, how do I feel about my church and its and its ministry? That's you can't ask that way. Hmm. Uh, we we can't ask traditionally pragmatic. Like, how how has this been in our church throughout the years? You got to throw that out too. You know, that's that's not really relevant. We have to be theologically pragmatic. That's right. Okay, so not emotional, not traditional, but theological. Hmm. And what we're asking is. You know, not a pragmatism that says, are we getting butts in the seats, but a pragmatism that says, from a theological perspective, are our beliefs reflected in our ministries? Hmm. Is what we believe theologically reflected in how we're trying to reach our community? Uh, you know, I, 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 this is my favorite whipping post ministry uh, in, in the church, and that is, are we keeping the Women's Missionary Society around because three little old, you know, 85-year-old ladies want to keep it going from 1947? 
<laughs> and the answer is no. You know, does that right, really right, reflect right. who we are as a church right now? So yeah, we have to we have to do a hard evaluation. Really difficult. Get down to the nitty gritty. What are we doing? And is it is it working? Not from the standpoint of you know other things, but theologically, is it matching up with who we are? So second, from there, we've got to ask, what is the heartbeat of our church? Yeah. And you know, every church, wherever they are, is is going to have a slightly different audience and a slightly different venue and a, and just a different feel. And so, like our our church, one of our campuses is really bent towards families and children. So we're doing Family Promise, which houses homeless families a couple weeks a year. We do that several times throughout the year. We're we're involved in Clara's Hope, which is a ministry to uh, foster parents and adoptive parents, and giving some relief care to them. We're involved in. Uh, uh, I coach a softball team in our city and my daughter's on the team, but we're not, we're not really there to, to get our name on a Jersey, right? We're there yeah, to yeah. like people from the church actually come to the games. They got no skin in the game. They just there because our church is there. They're meeting the families. They're interacting. They're praying with people. We've had people come to faith because of coaching a softball team in our city. And so we're, we keep doing that. So we have to ask, what is the heartbeat of our people? Where is God leading them? And it's not going to look traditional. It's not going to look like right. what you've done in the past. And in fact, right now, our other camp, one of our campuses, we're trying to figure it out because there's been so much change and turnover the last five years. We're kind of like, who are you people? And what do you really want to do to serve Jesus? So you have to you have to ask that question. And then I would say, uh, realize going into this, to, if you're going to be on mission, um, your ministry will be to scale. Mm-hmm. So you can't say, are we accomplishing the mission and, and it's dependent somehow on the numbers, right, or the size. Right, it's right, it's right. really going to be a matter of scale. So, for example, I remember one time we baptized, I think, like five people on a Sunday morning, which is fantastic. We celebrated yeah, that. Yeah. And after the baptism, somebody came up to me with their phone and they said, did you see this baptism video from, you know, such and such church? And I look at it. And, of course, it's one of those videos. I got like three swimming pools. There's 200 people <laughs> lined up and all these guys baptizing. And, yeah. and it's in slow motion, the water splashing. Like, oh, that's so cool. Um, and there was a moment where I thought, here's my little tractor supply company, 300-gallon tank, you know, that's used for, for cows, you know, and I'm baptizing people in our little parking lot. And, and I was tempted there to, like, downplay that. And I thought, you know what? We baptized five people in our little church of 50. Yeah. That's like 10%. That's awesome. Like we just grew by 10%, man. That's awesome. Praise God. And so so we've got to stop thinking, the, again, the size thing and think missionally. Like what are we doing for the kingdom here? And man, we, we had a great, that was a great day. I still remember that. And we've done that several times since. So those are just a couple things to, to be thinking about. I know I'm giving them like rapid fire here, but. Uh, no, no, that's great. I appreciate that very much. Hey, uh, before we close up, I want to make sure you have an opportunity to talk about the conference that you uh, uh, really created called Small Church Big Deal. So why don't you just take a, a minute or so and just tell us about the conference and uh, what's coming up and, and how people can be involved. Uh, yeah, so we've done, we've done the conference about, I think, six times wow. um, in, in various places. Um, and... Uh, We've had, you know, some some names that you might not be familiar with, but that are familiar within the small church world. Uh, Carl Vader's is one. Yeah. He's written several books now. That's great. And some other guys uh, had them come in. We've had a great time encouraging pastors. Uh, we are actually, uh, we haven't done one since last fall. Probably are not going to do one this year. It's just a strange year, you know, mm-hmm. to try to do a conference. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, what, what 
if as people are listening, if they are not, uh, you know, maybe conference isn't interesting to them, they can get the book Small Church Big Deal. It's available on Amazon. I just started a Facebook group called Small Church Big Deal that they can be a part of. And we discuss issues related to small churches and challenges we're facing and just encouraging uh, one another there. So so those are some things that are happening with the Small Church Big Deal. And honestly, right now it is, it's just kind of up in the air as far as what God has for it next, um, whether it means a conference or just some speaking engagements or whatever. But uh, my, my goal, my heart is to let every pastor know that their church matters, that God is doing the work through them, yeah. and uh, that there, there's a mission to accomplish. So get on it, whatever whatever size your church is. That's good. Thanks. Uh, hey, if anybody wants to get a hold of you, uh, how could uh, uh, they do that? What's your contact info? Yeah, really simple. They could go to um, they could go to the website smallchurchbigdeal.com, or they could just uh, write me at chris at smallchurchbigdeal.com. Simple as that. Um, it's all, all one word, no caps, just chris at smallchurchbigdeal.com. And they can email me, and I'd be happy to talk with them and encourage them and just help them any way I can. That's awesome. Hey, before we close, uh, we w- always love to have our guests uh, pray a prayer blessing on our pastors and those listening. And so would you be willing to close us uh, and do that right now? Yeah, sure thing. Lord Jesus, we thank you for calling us to serve you for inviting us into your work and yeah. just for giving us a part. Yeah. Lord, we just we just want to glorify you and honor you in all that we do. And I pray for my my brothers and uh, and the work that they're doing. I pray that you would encourage them today, yes, Lord. that you would hold them up, that you would let them know that their work is not in vain, that they are encouraging and blessing the people in their church and in their community. God, give them a heart uh, to uh, a renewed spirit to reach the lost, to be on mission in their place. Yes, Lord. Lord, I pray that they would reject excuses mm-hmm. uh, for whatever they might be facing in their church and realize that you have uh, things for them to accomplish. Lord, we are just uh, thrilled to be a part of what you're doing. Use us for your glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, Chris, thanks so much for joining us. I'm so grateful uh, for giving us this time here today. And I just want to thank everyone so much for joining us. I'm, I'm so grateful for each one of you who have subscribed and listened to the podcast. And just please uh, keep listening. Uh, please share your awesome reviews on the platform that you listen. And please share advance with your friends. And finally, if you haven't yet, uh, don't forget to check out our website, advancethechurch.org. Advanced Podcast is a ministry of Convergement America. Our mission is to start and strengthen churches that exalt the name of Jesus Christ together. If you'd like to learn more about Convergement America, visit our website, convergementamerica.org.